Hey there, thanks for tuning in to Something New Every Week with your host, me, Jason Group. Each week, I'm going to give you something new that's happening in our photographic world, just some great conversations with my friends, and what's going on right now. Something New Every Week is sponsored by Miller's Lab. Miller's Professional Imaging is the largest professional lab organization in the United States. They provide professional prints and press products for professional photographers in all 50 states and Canada. And they're just a great company. If you don't know them, go check them out, millerslab.com. Oh man, it's 2022. I am so excited for this week's something new every week. I've got a New Yorker. Uh, yeah, you can call yourself a New Yorker now. You've no, been I... there long enough. You are definitely a New Yorker. Uh, I'm here with Sam Blake, uh, who is an, uh, uh, originally from Australia, now is a New Yorker. Uh, really, really phenomenal wedding photographer. And I'm really excited for you guys to meet her today and uh, talk with her. And uh, thanks for being on the show this week. Oh, thank you for inviting me to be on, Jason. Yeah, I'm finally, I'm really stoked that uh, we can finally connect. You are not an easy person to uh, to nail down. And uh, that goes back to the days of WPPI as well. Um, you are a hard worker, and I admire your your work ethic and uh, and, and everything that you do. Um, you definitely seem to be one of those people who uh, enjoys life, um, doesn't uh, let work bog her down too much, and uh, just uh, is. Uh, for those of you who don't know Sam, we'll put links to her website. Um, if you've never seen her work, and I don't know if I've ever told you this, but I definitely have been admi- admired your work for a long, long time. Oh, thank you, Jason. <laughs> All right, now that I'm done blowing her up a little bit. <laughs> We're going we're gonna to take it back a little bit. So, Sam, I don't know. Uh, I know that you've been in New York for many years. Uh, I know that you made the decision to move all the way across the world, which uh, to me just seems to be such a brave thing to do in the first place. Uh, I, I only moved halfway across the country, and uh, I can't imagine moving to the other side of the world. And I know that you're close with your family, too. So, first of all, let's start with um, how long you've been in New York and tell, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so this is coming up my 10th year in New York City, which is wild to think about. That all started 10 years ago. I uh, I originally came over here in June of, no, May of 2012 to teach a photography workshop um, and had like a month in the city, fell in love with the city. It was like, I'm meant to to be here. was very wishful thinking at that stage and then I had a because of the opposite seasons I had a few months um where I didn't have to go home back to Australia before wedding season started again so on a whim I booked an Airbnb for two months (laughs) and just hanged out in New York and it was the best like summer I ever had um and I decided I was going to make it work and Weirdly enough, I did. <laughs> it's still kind of crazy that I it all I, I made it happen, you know. Because there's work visas, there's oh gosh, I can't imagine. So it's so hard to yeah. for a foreigner to get into the U.S. to work, and I had to navigate all of that. And now I'm a, a green card resident, permanent resident, uh, and like my roots are like I'm firmly planted here now. 
yeah, yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. And and uh, I kind of remember when you first uh, made that that trip over here. I think I actually remember that when you were teaching that workshop, and then I remember your travels on that. I don't remember if we had chatted during those times, um, but uh, you know, I loved. I always love and lo- have loved um, when people come from different parts of the world to enjoy New York City. You know my love of, of New York. And um, it's always great to see that magic through other people's eyes. And um, so you, you decided to, to, to make it work over here. And, and now you're a green card holder. And so much has happened. But let's back up a little bit because I usually like to start with the, a little bit of an origin story. And, and I don't know this at all. Um, how you got into photography. I mean, you were you were a fairly well-established photographer before you came to New York and uh, had been shooting a while. So just give us a little bit of your history and how you started as a photographer. I don't know where you're from in Australia. Give us all that. All right. So <laughs> I am originally from a small town called Albany in Western Australia, which is the very bottom left-hand corner of the country. Oh, okay. Uh, so Perth is the closest big city, which is a five-hour drive, uh-huh. and Perth is classified as the most isolated city in the world, uh-huh. i.e. the furthest away from another big city. Yeah. So I'm five hours south of that. Um, <laughs> so I think if you kind of drill a hole through New York, you know, where do you come out? You kind of out the other side is kind of close to where my hometown is. So I don't think I could have moved further away. <laughs> Um, but all my family is back there. Um, and so, uh, once I finished high school, I went off to Perth to study photography. I was always from quite an early age, like my early teens had a strong interest in photography. So in Australia, we go to university when we're 17. So I made that decision to be a photographer, I guess, at about 16 of, well, that's, you know, the kind of direction I wanted to head in. So I studied photography and journalism at university uh, and I really enjoyed that. I had every intention of being like a, a war pho- photojournalist or something kind of intense and gory. And uh, I just, you know, very much love that photography and the social documentary aspects to it all. And then once I graduated, kind of like, you know, did a bunch of work experience and traveled, I backpacked around the world for a year and all those things, realized that that wasn't the life for me. I definitely struggled with a lot of the ethical sides of stepping into, particularly when you're young and you don't, Mm. you've got to try and make stories. And I feel like I was just taking advantage of people, Mm. not really doing good with my photography as such right uh, like I, I had this big struggle of walking into like third world kind of places and then me being kind of more like the tourist photographer at that mm. point in my career mm-hmm. and taking photos of people to me it was like this big ethical thing so anyway I um worked in London for a while trying to launch my career okay um that I was 21 at the time <laughs> You know, high hopes, um, but came back to Australia uh, and decided I was going to do weddings. Um, okay. I already shot a few, like a few years worth of weddings um, in order to fund my backpacking adventures Okay. and just realized that it kind of had the best of everything. Um, you know, I had the photojournalism, 
but it had the fashion. It had uh, the permission, particularly it had the permission. <laughs> I was allowed to be there. Um, and so I came back from London unemployed and I was like, all right, I'm going to make this work because I'm not getting a job. I've you know, <laughs> been unemployed for a year. I was like, I'm not going back. Um, so that was uh, 2007 is when I officially okay. kind of launched my full-time business and okay. it's been an intense Hence, uh, have for many years since then. <laughs> wow, that's I, I I didn't know that you had studied photojournalism, and and you know you have quite uh you know it's it's very apparent your photojournalistic style. That the, one of the things that really interests me about your work is that you do have such a great combination of a great PJ style wedding photography wise. But your portraits are also really beautiful. And that's a really rare combination is one or the other. Typically, uh, most wedding photographers lean on one or the other, whereas your style really is, is deep-rooted in both sides. And um, your bridal part portraits are, are, are beautiful. So, um, yeah. you know, I kind of wonder if it's it's that well-rounded education plus the travel, you know, and all of that stuff uh, has, has really has really helped uh, your, your career. Um, and, uh, it, it's, it's interesting that you've, you, and the PJ stuff, you know, as a real world, I, photojournalism was not something that never really interested me. I liked, I, I definitely have never been one to, uh, land myself in a position where I'm, I don't like being uncomfortable in general. So traveling or backpacking, like I always make the joke that like my idea of camping is, is uh, getting a flat tire on the interstate. Um, <laughs> that's, that's about as, as, as rough as, as I like to get in the outdoors other than running, which we'll get into. Um, I want to talk to you about as well. Um, so that, that's, so you, you move back home again. Uh, you decide you want to do it. Uh, full time, you don't want to get a job, which is so many stories start that way. Like, all I want to do is not get a job. Uh, and I just <laughs> want to shoot weddings. So you established yourself in, in Perth or back in your hometown? No, in Perth. Uh, I moved back to Perth. Okay. And um, I think I had about $100 to my name at that time. And I was like, I'm going to do this. Uh, I didn't even own a digital camera. Like, it was all film at that point. Uh -huh. This is 2007. Like, digital had just kind of come on the scene, you know, like, yeah. in, those, in those few years. I had, hadn't even picked up a digital camera. But I knew I was probably going to head in that direction um, because that was the cool, exciting thing, particularly back then. And mm. um, booked a bunch of weddings without with only having, like, a little film, uh, a few film cameras. Um <laughs> But used all the deposits that I got paid to then fund the cameras. Yeah. Like I had, you know, six months till the weddings rolled around. So um, I just kind of lived off the retainers or the deposits. And and then when the first wedding came, I went and, you know, put a, I can't even remember what Canon camera it was back then, D30 or something. I never um, shot any film cameras with Canon, but yeah. Well, yeah, this was the first digital I bought. I think it was a 30D. Could have been 30D, yeah. yeah. I'm trying to remember 10D, 20D, and then, oof, I don't remember what came after that. 
I think I think it was a thirty. I was like couldn't afford the twenty, and then <laughs> the thirty. <laughs> oh, maybe the thirty was the crop. Well, no, the twenty was a crop sensor too. God, we went through those cameras like it was nothing at those, that point, and they were so expensive with the, the like postage stamp um, LCD finders on the back of this camera too. I remember shooting one of my first weddings digital because I was shooting like you know I probably shot like thirty forty weddings on film by film at that point but sure. for the first digital wedding i had about three 125 megabyte cf cards <laughs> and i ran out of space and i was having to delete you know the bad images off to keep shooting the wedding because uh, right. it cost so expensive back then it was like a few hundred dollars <laughs> for a 125 megabyte card yeah uh, yeah. And I remember the groom, because he was really into photography, he's like, do you want one of my CF cards? And I'm like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, please. Yeah, I remember going out and buying, a, uh, I think it was a, I don't even remember the size, it was a micro drive. It wasn't even a CF card. It actually was a tiny micro drive. And I remember like you had to pull that thing out of the camera. You had to be so careful you didn't drop it, because if you dropped it, you damaged the card. Because it actually had a little disc in it. And that thing, I remember, I think it was $900 for that stupid card. And it was like the biggest one you could get. Um, But yeah. Um, So I am curious, though, Perth in general. And I'm trying to remember some of the other photographers that I know that have come out of that that small town. There's a couple of you um, that I'm trying to remember now. But I, I have found that over... And I may be totally wrong on this, but... I feel like the Australian photographers really embraced digital almost quicker than the U.S. did um, in, in, in adapting that technology. And there were obviously a couple of people like Yervant who, you know, really embraced the technology. And maybe that's what's jading my, my thought process on that. But do you agree with that? Yeah, I think so. Um, I feel like a few re- a few things that went into that is that um, you know, we didn't have the biggest selection of labs in Australia. Sure. Like each each city probably had like one big sort of film lab, um, and that was it. So there wasn't much variety to choose from. And if you didn't really like your local lab, then <laughs> you were stuck. You don't really you didn't really send your film over state at that point. You know, um, to well, I know for me, like. Because I was about 23-ish when I launched my business. Um, and, I, you know, I had grown up with the internet in the in the 90s. And I was, like, kind of like one of those first sort of kids to come along and understood the internet, could build websites, understood what where the digital photography was going and all of that. And so I remember I was one of the first photographers to – start selling the digital negatives mm-hmm. whereas people the photographers that were in like they say their 30s or 40s at that point they were still all film and very sort of in that um, mindset of like no we sell the files separately mm. because that's how we or you know went back when they used to just do reprints and right. you would never actually get access to the the file so I feel like what gave me such huge success when I first started is I, I could see things were changing and I embraced that. And so I was selling my digital negatives and the, the, the f- photographers that were a little bit older than me, uh, really got, um, put out by me doing that. <laughs> they were very frustrated. 
Um, but it was just that, that new wave coming through. Um, and so I feel like Australia in like, you know, we weren't as influenced maybe by what we've seen in going on in like America and all that. Cause that was all before Pinterest and, <laughs> you know, photographers yeah. didn't really talk to photographers in America at that point. No, no. And, you know, I think New York, ironically, and, and I'm curious your thoughts on this. I feel like, well, in, in New York, obviously there was, there was a wedding, there was a, there was a lab on every corner. And uh, back in the day, um, I don't know if you knew this. So like uh, there was basically one photo lab that was started by uh, two brothers or, or, or two brothers and a couple of cousins. And each one of them then broke out, made their own lab. Uh, and then there were thousands of these uh, labs all over, all over the city. And inevitably, like, it didn't matter who you went to. The interesting part is that they were all, re- they were all related to each other. And if you pissed one off, you were really in trouble because the cousins would all talk to each other. But <laughs> you did have lots of choices. And um, it, it, it and, and I felt like New York was the, one of the last holdouts to go digital um, and as, as progressive a city it is, sometimes it can be super old school and, and hangs on to things a little bit more than, than other parts of the world. I can see that for sure. Yeah. Um, and, uh, obviously New Yorkers can be pretty passionate about their ideas as, as always too. So, okay. So you moved to, you moved to New, you decide to move to New York city in 2012 and everything's been great. Pretty much. Um, Yeah, I I was very fortunate to get a lot of work when I first came over here. Um, Like, obviously, there was a bit of a transition period where I had work booked back in Australia still, Mm -hmm. so I was flying back and forth. Mm -hmm. And there was probably, like, a year, maybe two years where it was easier for me to book an international destination wedding than it was to book a wedding venue down the road. Right. but, you know, surely but slowly, you know, I got to build myself in the local market here. But just even being based in New York um, and even still not being able to really book too much local stuff, um, it was just so accessible to get to Europe, which I, I felt like I had a bit of a name for myself over there. So I was yeah. flying over to Europe all the time for work. So and then that just made me look good to the U.S. market that I was flying to Europe all the time. <laughs> um, and then that, you know, that helped me out here to finally you know, book local weddings. Yeah. I mean, the one thing that I find about, about New York and, and I've only learned kind of this lesson cause I'm a born and bred New Yorker. Like I grew up in Queens and then I moved to the suburbs and then moved back into the city when I was older and then lived all over the tri-state area. Um, I didn't really recognize the fact that like, there's something about New York that legitimizes you just because you're from New York, right? It doesn't matter where you are in the world. And I guess maybe I didn't really take take advantage of that, but I just never realized that like when you say you're from New York, um, there's 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 just something about that. And it was the same thing working and collaborating with people in New York City. Um, there was an ease of it, and it wasn't until I started collaborating with people outside of the city that I realized that um, people from outside New York don't necessarily work as hard. I'm not stereotyping. I'm just saying that there was definitely something that you could count on from a New Yorker. Um, that you couldn't from other places in the world. 
And uh, it wasn't until I moved here that I realized that uh, there. <laughs> I always it's almost like there's a disappointment when you say you're from St. Louis as opposed to from when you're in New York. There's a legitimacy there. I'm not taking away from any anything there, but it's been an interesting uh, thing to learn. Um, and now I, I understand better why people move to New York. It's where they come to work. And that's the one thing that I've always said, like, there's no bullshit when it comes to New York. It's the, you, you, you're there. And the reason for that is that it's really expensive to live there. So I was just about to say that. It's like, well, very expensive rent to pay. <laughs> you have very expensive rent to pay. So you settled in Brooklyn though, right? Yes. I mean, I'm in Williamsburg. You're in Williamsburg. And uh, my brother lived there for a long time. So I'm sure you've seen a ton of transition in that neighborhood over the years. And I was in Williamsburg uh, a couple of years ago and I was like, holy cow, what happened to this place? It's, uh, it's pretty amazing. All right. So um, you, for the last 10 years, have been shooting weddings. You've traveled back and forth internationally. Uh, and then, of course, in most of our conversations, COVID hits. That's where the next part is. Talk to me about like, um, you know, where I was just back in New York recently, just a couple of weeks ago. It was great to be back. I hadn't seen my mom in two years. Um, it was it was really nice. Um, talk to me about what's going on in your world right now as far as things opening up. What does your year look like? Stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. So for me personally, when COVID hit, it was kind of a blessing. I've been going <laughs> like gung-ho on it's just been crazy like for years yeah. and I could finally stop and chill out <laughs> um, I embrace that I like I really like 20 was it 2020 yeah like uh you know been really focusing on my health for the yeah. last few years because when you're a destination wedding photographer that's one thing you don't really look after mm. is, um, you know, what you do to your body in all the jet lag and bad or poor eating choices and exercise and all of that. So I, I, um, I kind of really embraced having some time off. Um, and it also gave me time to like work on my website and really like plan out where I want to take my photography. You know, this is, uh, well, 20, when 2020 arrived, it was my eight, 18th, 17th year shooting weddings. So mm. I, you know, really used that year to kind of reimagine where, what I want to be. Um, really did my, my portfolio and and really sort of targeted, and you know, the direction I wanted to head in the clientele I wanted to go after. Um and so I remember spending all of February redoing my website and portfolio, not realizing that March onwards I would be locked in my apartment um, <laughs> and that. So, but I've, I felt that, you know, those first few months of COVID, um, I definitely like revamped my website and my, you know, like, re, you know, really dialed in my portfolio of where I wanted to take things. And uh, I ended up having a very busy year even in 2020, just with lots of elopements and, um, you know, like New York city is obviously a bit of a destination for new, uh, for elopements. So I, I've been shooting a lot of elopements over the years. So I had a really strong portfolio and elopements. So a lot of people came to me in 2020 cause they needed to get married or have this small micro wedding. Right. Um, so I ended up being very busy. And then in the, uh, 2021, 
was just crazy because of all the reschedules. I think I shot 46 weddings last year, which is too many weddings. Yeah, for anyone. Um, But, of course, I couldn't say no to my couples that have already booked me and were changing dates. It's like, yes, of course, you know, Mm -hmm. like make it work. Um, So I survived 21 um just um still editing um <laughs> almost finished um so yeah last year was because i put my health as number one priority but then i got so busy it was such a such a tough balancing act of trying to make all the things that are important to me work um so i got through it um and this year uh, 2022, I'm booked out. I'm at 20 weddings, I think, 21 weddings. You. And I'm Good like, that's it. I'm done. No more. Because um, I don't want to burn myself out again. Right. Right. So you set, so you set a cap. And, and, and I'm finding that with uh, several photographers that I've talked to recently. They've just decided after all the reschedules and shooting more weddings than in their so happy to be doing it and and getting that income and taking care of their other clients and a lot of people have said to me 2022 is going to be about i'm still here um is going to be about uh setting a goal for myself and sticking to that goal and capping it at, at whatever it is and um some people are doing a good job at saying no and some are like i it's so hard for me to say no after such a long time and um, I also know then one of the things that I want to talk to, you know, you talked about your health, um, you picked up running. I don't, and, and I've been meaning to ask you this for a while, um, was, ha, have you ever been a runner before or is this a new thing for you? I started running in 2011. Okay. Oh, so uh, it has been a while. So yeah, 10, 11 okay. years. Yeah. Oh. All right. So yeah, I, I, um... Started getting, I, I was single, freshly single in 2011 and okay. I, uh, I was engaged and all that good things. And, um, <laughs> I suddenly single found running in that, those first few weeks, um, of being single, I guess. And <laughs> it's been my thing ever since. Um, but I seriously, I remember watching the New York marathon in about 2000. 17 or 18 and like I got I'm not I'm a non-crier I don't cry and I'm mm. watching the marathon and I start getting tears in my eyes and I'm like oh no what is this about <laughs> oh this means I have to run the marathon now <laughs> um and so it's obviously hard to get into the New York marathon yeah. um so I spent all of 2018 doing all the nine plus one um you know the a certain amount of races you have to right. do to qualify to get into the the New York half, uh, not New York half, New York marathon. And so in 2019, I ran my first marathon. That's right. That's right. And now I'm addicted. Yeah, and 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 I admire you. I don't think I ever have the uh, the ability to run a full. Um, I've been running two a year, two halves every year, one in the spring, one in the fall, since we've moved out here. Um, and then I ran my first half was the Brooklyn half. Uh, that was, that was my first half. Um, unlike you, I am a crier and cry at the end of every one. <laughs> so I'm just so happy it's done. Um, and maybe someday Andrew Funderburg keeps teasing me that we're going to run a fall. Oh, he did. 
he did talk me into I'm flying out in August to do Hood to Coast with him, um, which is How about uh, that full. What's that? Is that a full marathon? No, it's a it's a hundred it's a two hundred mile relay race from the top of a mountain to the to the beach. Awesome. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Although it's not, I think it's like three eight mile stretches. So it's not really a huge, uh, huge undertaking. It's just doing three back to back and sleeping in a van for 24 hours. That's going to be the fun part. And doing it sober with it with Andrew will be the <laughs> will be the bigger problem. So anyway, uh, um, that's so. Have you are you signed up to do any races coming up? Yeah, I'm in the um, New York City half in March, so I'm oh, in okay. training for that. And I'm in the marathon again this year. So I, I ran the 2019 marathon, and then 2020, I was signed up for it, but obviously it wasn't on, mm. but we could run it virtually. So mm-hmm. basically you just run it on your own, and you know you record it on Strava, and you get the medal. And Okay. All of that, and so that qualified me for this. Yeah. So the <laughs> when I did the 2020 marathon, I basically ran by myself from the Bronx to Red Hook down West Side Highway, Gosh. over Williamsburg Bridge, you know, down through Dumbo, and um, I had to get on a plane the next morning and Ooh. shoot one of the biggest weddings of my career. And I couldn't tell anyone that I did the marathon because I didn't want the clients to find out how sore my legs were. <laughs> and so, like, I could never post about it. So, it was like, it was like, you know, the you see the memes online of, like, um, person runs a marathon but then doesn't tell anyone about it. <laughs> like, I couldn't tell anyone about it. So now this is my, my chance to finally, two years on, tell someone mm. about it. That's um, awesome. So I hobbled through this whole wedding. Like there was a staircase, and every time I had to go down this staircase, oh. I was just like down steps after a marathon is the yeah. worst. Yeah. And um, no one ever found out about it. Like <laughs> I just didn't want the client to think that like I was going to do a lesser job. Right. But like I already done all my training, and it was like a it was like a celebrity wedding reschedule. So like I'm like I did all my training, and then they're rescheduling. I can't give up on all my training yeah you know so i'm like i'm gonna do both it's gonna be a crazy week but i'm gonna do both <laughs> and then you'll have time to recover afterwards yeah and which, I did. <laughs> which takes us back to why we don't like it having a full-time job yeah so that's awesome um it so we're at 30 minutes and i like to cut it there there's a lot of other questions that i have for you but maybe we'll 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 have you back another time um thanks for sharing your stories with us uh, those of you who are listening, really, if you don't know Sam's work, you really need to check it out. It is an inspiration. Um, looking at your website today, I'm like, oh, I need to update my website as well. So you actually inspired me to maybe maybe actually update my website again, although I'm not shooting that much anymore, but I still feel like there's enough work for me to put on it. So, okay, last question. Give me your advice on updating your website. How, what would be your advice to anyone on how to update your website. So what I did in my last website update, and I'm going to do it again. February is booked in to, for me to do it again because it's been like two years since I've done like a major overhaul. My best advice is to go through your catalog of work. Like I have on my Dropbox, I have every year of weddings. And in each of each year is the client, you know, each wedding I've done. So it's all, it's easy accessible. 
go through every single wedding and just move out any files that is intriguing to you um, and put them in like a best of 21 folder. You might end up with 500 photos or 1,000 photos, but, you know, you just move, you know, might be 10 photos from each wedding. You move it over and put it into a bigger, bigger folder and then you just start going through that and, like, star rating it, you know, like maybe create, like, little bits of themes um, or just be like, oh, I'm just looking for photojournalistic moments and just pull out the gold out of each one. And then I even, like, have a friend go through it as well and get them to pick out their selects. I remember doing this with Dan O'Day. Um, I used to – we used to do workshops together, Art and the Heart, and um, as an exercise we would, like – go through each other's like best of folder and it was always so fascinating to see what he would pick and like what I would pick of his it's just like shots I would wouldn't have really considered but then when you see them through their eyes you're like oh no I do really like that <laughs> um so I think it's a really good great exercise to have other people um you know say if you could get that that folder to like your top 300 images and then have someone go through it and just pick out their top hundred. Um, it just make you kind of see things in different ways. That's and then you nice. also, with that folder of images, have great Instagram content ah, ready to go. Right. So it's like killing quite a few birds, um, you know, by knocking that out. So that's what I'm, I'm going to be starting this actual process next week, um, which it, it's tough, but. <laughs> One I feel like you, we all have to like talk ourselves into it. Like it's pretty much the same thing with running. Like I'm going to run today. Today's going to be the day I'm doing my long run and you're just talking yourself into it and you got to set up your, your, your you got to psych yourself up to do it. So anyway, yeah. that's that great advice. Thank you for, thank you for sharing that. Um, and uh, when you talk to Dan, uh, please let him know that I want him to come on my podcast too. I need to reach okay. out to him. It's been a long time. Um. But anyway, thank you for being on this week's episode of Something New Every Week. It's really been great having you. And uh, again, check out Sam's website. Uh, I will talk to you, uh, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is, uh, the, wow, this is the worst end, end, end outro ever. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Something New Every Week. Thanks again for tuning into Something New Every Week. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you do enjoy these episodes, I love it if you hit that subscribe button on however you're listening to this. Again, we want to thank our sponsor, Miller's Lab, millerslab.com. Great company. If you're not familiar with them, you should go check them out. Thanks again for tuning into something new every week. We will see you back here next week.